What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Sheridan Riley, a drummer and overall fabulous musician based out of Washington State. Sheridan is the drummer for the band Always, which I love. In addition to their own projects, Peg, and releases under their own name, Sheridan Riley, which we get into at the top of the show. They've also played with John Mitchell Quartet, Time of Wolves, Fort Wife, among many others. Sheridan is such a kind, caring person, and it shows in their conversational drumming. I really enjoyed this talk from my closet in my Airbnb in Philadelphia. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. But please enjoy my chat with Sheridan Riley about the five records that shaped who they are as a drummer today. Cheers. So I do want to talk about your showcase at Nelson Drum Shop, your video. Um, oh, yeah. Sounded amazing. And it's funny, uh, the guitarist in my band, Cannons, when we went to Nelson Drum Shop, he was so enthused by that specific Red Rogers drum set. So it was cool to see you on that because he keeps sending me videos of it like, I want this drum set. But how did you decide what to play? Yeah, that was such a casual thing. I That place is just legendary to me, you know. So when I finally got to go there in person, I was just really excited, mm -hmm. uh, but also I, you know, was on tour and slept like three hours the night before. It was like, <laughs> great, anything to visit the drum shop. Well, I always like doing a little bit of a press roll on a snare, like fairly quietly. I feel like that always gives me a sense of the drum that I'm going to be playing. I mean, not every, many bands I play, it really doesn't matter how press roll sounds. <laughs> <laughs> on the snare drum, you know, like the the super ten that um, always uses. Like I'm not doing press rolls on that. I don't know. Maybe maybe it just goes back to like being a kid when it was like, oh my god, I did it! Like I did a drum roll, and there's like some kind of satisfaction and just like that's a happy place. But I guess yeah, always doing that. But I don't really know. I felt very nervous about what I would play for that, and so. I didn't really put a lot of forethought into that. It was just any anything to like play each of the drums as much as possible. I like doing Alan Dawson's rudimental ritual. Like that was a big mm, okay. quarantine respite for me. So kind of just having like any kind of foot ostinato with some <laughs> with some hand stuff on top. <laughs> um, yeah, just I guess that's kind of gotten me in the zone of of like doing foot patterns with 
rhythmic variations on the top. Sorry, I don't know. It, yeah, no, it, it's, it's it's a tough question because again, I I could play with bands. I love playing songs, but just me by itself with a beat, I'm like, ah, uh, let's see if I can just regurgitate every other drummer, like rip off every drummer in three minutes. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, the one thing I won't do is I won't do like the the bucket of fish, John. <laughs> You know, like dazed and confused thing. Mm -hmm. I only do that sound check. <laughs> oh, yeah, just kidding. I don't do that sound check either. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when you do like kind of a kick ostinato, anything that sort of recalls like fifty ways to leave your lover. <laughs> yep. I mean, what's so fun about that? What's so fun? <laughs> what's so fun about that beat is like you know it it does it does kind of have this this bugle drum and bugle quality to it like a sound there's something kind of traditional sounding about it and mm -hmm. i guess i'm always that's just always going to be a perplexing question like what what do people want from a drum set so i think it's always fun to kind of just do something quote unquote like traditional i mean that drum set was tuned so differently than like you know the rogers holiday that i was using every night i remember being like i haven't played on like single like on ambassadors for months <laughs> yeah it's yeah crazy <laughs> the resonance you know who am i yeah yeah it, it really brought that those questions up for me <laughs> so before we get into your top five i do want to discuss some of your most recent projects um the two i want to discuss are peg and then the one that you released under your own name, Sheridan Riley. Oh, yeah. So, and they're quite different, which is really cool. Uh, makes me respect you as a musician even more because they're drastically different. Um, and they're both super rad. So let's start Thanks. with Peg. Yeah, that that's like my songwriting project. I technically started writing those songs like 10 years ago. Mm. But yeah, I mean, the, kind of the idea with that project is like, I did just want to explore music through a different lens like a songwriting lens and i was lucky basically as soon as i was in high school i was playing in bands like not just like jazz band or which was you know that was really important mm -hmm. <laughs> i still can't i'm i've never been able to to pull that off but uh <laughs> ditto but you know was playing in bands and playing in you know one was like kind of a shoegazy vamp band but a lot of them were like songwriting bands so a few years of that and I'm just like actually I don't know like what would I want to hear from drums or what would I want to hear if I was approaching like whatever musical situation I I'm in from like a vastly different vantage point or frame of reference that's kind of what prompted that but it wasn't even like that much of a thought experiment it's also just like I like songs I like compositions I like part of what got me into drums was hearing how they affect the song they're in. I also like, you know, I like drum solos. I don't, I don't look them up on YouTube anymore, but I did. But that's the thing. I think like, because drums are technically like, you know, a melodic, it's hard to remember what to do with them. And I think that's maybe every instrument at a certain point, you're just kind of like, sure. What, what am I trying to communicate here? And I guess writing songs has been a really fun way to like understand music better and also just make me feel <laughs> a lot more like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> Love um, that i never yeah never have felt like i really know what i'm doing but that certainly didn't help <laughs> uh but i guess i kind of <laughs> ultimately seem to be going for that feeling to a certain extent because like that certainly keeps from complacency but okay i'm rambling on again 
That's, this is what I like. We're drummers. We ramble. I just, <laughs> yeah. I look forward to the day when I feel like I know what the hell I'm doing. And then I'm also scared to death of when I have that sort of confidence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's that thing like drummers and maybe guitarists. I I just say guitarists because I grew up like my dad is like a hobby guitarist. <laughs> and a lot of people play guitar too, is the thing. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's that thing of like, guitar players and then with drummers where it's like oh it's either you're either a songwriter or a shredder or it's like you either have feel or you have chops and it's like i don't know when those like reductions get put on young musicians but it's mm. so you know i think it's a little off the mark maybe that's what enough educators or spectators talking to young musicians thought was the right way to convey a path for people but i think it's very inaccurate but yeah, sorry. Anyway, with Peg, <laughs> I just like songs. And it used to be me playing guitar in that band and then working with friends who were drummers. And then when I moved and kind of started it again and basically got on the path of making that record, I was like, oh, actually, I'll just, I don't really want to like work with another guitar player as a guitar player. Like, I'm just going to sing and play drums. Mm -hmm. Do you know Chris Cohen? Uh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't think I know him, know him. Oh, he is amazing. He had put a record out, Overgrown Path. I think it came out in like 2012. Hmm. He was in Deerhoof. Oh, okay. He was like guitarist, bassist in Deerhoof, but is an incredible multi-instrumentalist songwriter. After finding that record, I like looked up videos and saw that a lot of the time he was singing and playing drums. I was like, oh, maybe I could do that. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you do it well. I mean, I'm, I I only heard the one song that I believe is out, and uh, I'm I'm really it's a really good song. It's really pretty. Thank you. So I'm excited to hear the rest of the record. Yeah, I'm excited for it to be out. <laughs> it's, it's been done a little while. And... Yeah. What about your uh, your project under your own name? Well, that basically spawned out of a friend of mine was putting on a little showcase at a cafe and he was like, Hey, do you want to do something like really just anything? Which like side note, uh oh. <laughs> but side <laughs> note, I love I love little spaces where people can try things. I I don't I'm not about to say that that's lost because <laughs> there will always be a way, I'm sure, but I really like that approach to any craft where it's understood that like out of the gate, you shouldn't have a product. That's kind of weird. I know that's how a lot of things work right now. And I'm not even, I'm not even trying to shame that. I, I'm not trying to stop the world we live in. But <laughs> art for art's sake and performance for performance sake and experimentation for experimentation's sake are really beautiful things that I'm into it. And the only, not to be like, and that's what made my record. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not what I, but as, as musicians, it's like, we don't, you know, we're always like learning from what we're asked to do. And at least personally speaking, it's like, it's important to roughly know what you want to come out of a situation with and what you want to achieve and, you know, have all those like clear understandings. But also there's just, you know, like before you started touring, like, could you have ever really imagined what you would, what it would be like, or what you would learn or what you'd, how it would change your relationship to your instrument, which touring has done every tour I go on. I'm, I think about, I think about drumming differently than I did before. Absolutely. 
yeah, basically my friend asking me to just put something together really vaguely. It's like, well, I have been wanting to do some kind of like drum set centric things, but like have some soundscapes interacting with the drums, which I'm still still figuring out how to do that better. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it basically just started from that. And, you know, I had felt kind of burnt out on playing in bands and trying to write songs. But this still felt like a, a fresh way to be like, you know, compositional or, you know, find a voice and a way to participate on the drums that felt that kind of kept my attention, I guess. So it kind of spawned from that. And then just over the pandemic, when I was playing drums by myself for long stretches of time, just more depressing than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trying to do bands over email was not fun for me when it seemed like that was all it was going to be. But I basically just started asking a couple people. I was like, hey, what if you sent me like a voice memo of just like, just talk to me and then kind of cutting that up and playing drums to that. But yeah, I guess while they are both very different, I do tend, my I would say my process isn't that different when I'm doing both of them. It's just the the repertoire, like the palettes really different, but I think the approach isn't. Well, it even it's even cooler because you are having other people do vocals on it, even though you have a great voice. I would do that because I don't sing. Yeah, it really hit home for me how much I, I really do like working with other people to the point where I was like, I'll work with a voice memo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The yeah. voice memos is actually a pretty cool band name. Oh yeah. Okay, you should you should do that. Well, now it's on. Now it's uh, you know public knowledge. It's going to be yeah. on the podcast, so I can sue everyone now because it's time dated. Hey, y'all! I wanted to. <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed fourteen by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a one point five millimeter shell, brass shell with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at BigFatSnareDrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour, and I didn't keep it, and I regretted it ever since then, just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time, and I just kept thinking about it, and so the opportunity to get it again was presented, and it is one of my favorite drums. So the Ocean Patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, check it out, reach out to me, go to Vessel Drum Co., the Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. and check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye.
Um, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, let's just hop into your top five. And you did give me some cool honorable mentions. So I'm going to try and get a few of those in. Um, yeah. So, so it was a compilation called Early Days and Latter Days. Mm-hmm. They oh, like have the, yeah, they're in like space suits. And the early days is like when they're young and beautiful. And the later days is like, you can tell like some Jameson has been yes. far too much consumed. Um, I mean, you know, Zeppelin was the first, they were it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put rock and roll on there cause I was like, I'm tired of hearing that song, but <laughs> it wouldn't be true if I didn't, if I didn't mention that that drum intro was what really spoke to me as a toddler. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, that was like the first CD, Led Zeppelin CD I got. You know, there was like one computer in the house and like my parents were very, um, one of them was always on the computer. So it wasn't like I could, um, you know, my dad would Napster things, but I didn't have access to like Napster. But just to say, so I had to like really, you know, to go to the store to buy the CD after like enough allowance money or just like being very clear and my birthday request that I wanted Led Zeppelin. And so I got an early days and later days, but that was the collection I listened to a lot in like sixth and seventh grade. And yeah, I think, yeah, since I've been loving you, the space, I remember just being like really like taken by just how heavy that song felt, but also just sort of the way he filled the spaces He's one of those guys where it's like, yeah, his feel and his ear for fills and beats, it was all, you know, it was all there. (laughs) But really any Led Zeppelin song, but since I've been loving you, babe, I'm going to leave you. Like kind of those Mm mid-tempo soul crushers. Yep. Uh, Well, let's just play a little bit of Since I've Been Loving You. Hell yeah. That little like straight time kick there. So good. He kind of paused on that downbeat. Yeah. Yeah, Bonzo's so cool because, like, if someone were to play, like, this riff, I'd kind of want to go, like, Pink Floyd on it, nice and soft, but he's just like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. All right, let's go to number two. And you were already mentioning this band. So it is The Runners 4 is the album, released years 2005. The artist is Deerhoof. And the song choice is Twin Killers. And Greg's last name, is it Saunier or Saunier? I've heard both. All right. <laughs> Greg Saunier, because that makes me feel cultured. Um, but yeah, let's just say Saunier. So take it away. Uh, talk about what Greg did, or the whole band, how they influenced you. And then we'll listen to maybe a minute of Deerhoof. 
Well, when I first heard Deer Hoof, and I think this is the first Deer Hoof song I heard, it sounded like The Who, but like a different universe of The Who. Like mm. every, like the guitars and the drums were just slightly off of where I expected them to be. And that was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So it was like some familiarity there, but then just like totally not familiar feeling. Like I was just like, I don't, when I think the snare should land, it doesn't. When I think there shouldn't be a fill, there is, and it's great. That's what caught my like 15 year old ear. It was just all very perplexing. And then Satomi is singing like a beautiful, singing with a beautiful soft tone on top of this mayhem that felt oddly structured. I love it. Well, we were just talking about Zach Lynn before you hopped on, and he mm. was talking about how the element of surprise is an artist's greatest weapon. And yeah. it's, I'm, I'm right there with him and you. That's what keeps you listening to a song is not knowing what the hell they're going to do. All right, well, here's, here's Twin Killers. when he's just doing like the the hi-hat and kick it's like the way they're relating to each other i remember that just being like so so weird sounding to me Mm -hmm. and like and i say weird as like a high compliment great yeah no i I, like i was saying i want to get greg on the show so greg if you're listening if someone sends you this this uh episode because jaren's talking about you come answer my damn dms um, you believe right. it? Drummers are into you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number three, uh, the album is uh, Look Up Pie Pie. Release here is 1969. The artist is The Meters. The song choice is the titular track, Look Up Pie Pie. And Zigaboo. Yeah. Yeah. So take it away. And then we'll listen to some Look Up Pie Pie. Yeah. So behind the beat, the way they're all feeling the time together, I still am in awe. I didn't know that a rhythm section could weird me out so much. <laughs> and again, weird as like high admiration statement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, yeah, just the space between like the right left hand and, and, and right foot 
is just so cool. And just the sound of the snare too. Also the set, cause I remember being, you know, being told like, you really got to get into funk drumming. And like, you know, I've since grown to really like parliament a lot, but it wasn't that kind of funk didn't really catch my ear in the same way. A, a cool substitute teacher at my high school was like, well, you should listen to the meters. If you know, if you haven't found the right funk yet. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess I'll give the meters a try. Never heard of them. I wonder if he still has like the hi-hat that he used on all these records and how much that hi-hat would cost. It's wow. the most famous barks of all time. Absolutely. So, number four, Mr. Elvin Jones. Um, Lo Love Supreme is the album. Release here is 1965. Mr. John Coltrane. The song choice is part one, Acknowledgement. And, of course, Mr. Elvin. So, And I'm stoked because he's been, not that he's not talked about enough in the drumming world. I feel like he is. But he's been getting a lot of love on the podcast lately. And I'm so happy because mm. I feel that if you don't talk about these guys, they, they, they aren't listened to. You know? So it's, and I want to make sure that he is continues to be the legend through the young generation as well. So by all means, uh, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I first started going to Sam Ash <laughs> in Cerritos, California, I remember seeing, uh, you know, like his picture and stuff like that. And I remember being like, okay, at some point, I'll know who that is and I'll <laughs> totally get it. Because <laughs> that's yeah. how I thought, <laughs> like, yeah, at some point I'll get there yeah um but yeah in high school uh when it was about time to really listen to quote-unquote jazz naturally john coltrane and love supreme came up yeah just the just his touch on that opening beat the dynamics just i remember just how he brings in the busier ride pattern and just sort of like feeling kind of like the the drone of the like and feeling that on the cross stick in the tom and then just sort of how he would like add these like these rumbles to it oh it was just so amazing but again it was just really impactful kind of hearing how it's like a pattern can be set forth and discernible but then it's like sort of this fluidity with what is set up and that's what makes like that's what's so ear catching is like this combination of like something familiar that you can latch on to, but kind of these like variations on the theme happening at the same time. And the drums could do that. Drums are able to do that in a really amazing way. 
mm-hmm. by virtue of like how it's set up. You have your four limbs and you can like keep something constant and something always changing around it. Mm-hmm. And you know that they are all reusing their instruments to like really try to make a better world. <laughs> yeah. That's again, yeah, I'm just I don't know. I, it's annoying to like verbalize because there's people have already talked about it so much, but it's just really beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. So number five, the album. I need to call this podcast "All Right." So that's like my <laughs> that's like my transition, like dissolve to black uh, phrase. All right. So a ghost is born. The release here's two thousand four. The artist is Wilco. The song choice. Uh, you have two of them, which is at least that's what you said. And then sp- uh, three of them. At least that's what yeah. you said. Spiders and muzzle of bees. That's okay. Just listen to the whole record. I mean, I, I always say yeah. this. About, um, I just ask people to pick a song. So yeah, let's just talk about A Ghost is Born. And then we'll play one of the three songs. Well, at least that's what you said is the first song. And I felt kind of funny about like back-to-back first songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> but well, Glenn's so inspiring because he has such a great rock feel. Very present drummer in like song context but then also has this whole other world of percussion composition that he does and he's just so innovative with the acoustic and electronic realms and just like a really captivating way to me at least that's what you said like that that song just the drumming on there just really is just really dynamic and it's really it's really heavy, but then it just really, it's so hard to to play with with weight, but then not get bogged down. <laughs> That's something I'm always trying to do is not play too heavy to sort of be able to transition out of like, you know, just way to just like float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, but on the drums. And I feel like all these drummers that I mentioned are really amazing examples of that. And Glenn is no exception. Great playing great year for how 
for his drum set and his cymbal choices, just really, again, like all these drummers, just musicians that have a vision for what drums can do for a piece of music through their tone and how they're played. Well, I think you do that. And like going back to that Nelson drum shot video, I was watching it and I'm like, how do they play again? play so deliberately with such control and how like a lower volume because you were kind of just messing around so it sounds great it seems like you're doing exactly what you feel you look for in other drummers so so good job but which which one do you want to listen to the uh the first one or spiders or muzzle of of bees maybe at least what you said but the drums don't come in for a while i could fast forward a little bit okay yeah maybe do that Perfect. I mean, not to be a gearhead, but I want to know what hi hats he's using. Those like sounded so good. I love your love for hi hats because it's really important. It's honestly, <laughs> I'd say it's the most important. Yeah. Yeah. I know he uses like dark. Yeah, he has K's. Dry, like dry custom, maybe at one point. But yeah, I don't know what he's using on this recording. Yeah. Yeah, I need to see them live. I've never seen Glenn live and it's a travesty. Oh, yeah. It's been too long. I've seen him. I've only seen him three times. One time was a solo performance he did at Stanford. I happened to be up in the Bay Area. Mm. I was like able to snag a ticket to stanford <laughs> to go see him <laughs> do jeez a very steve reiki performance mm. um all right well uh let's let's get into at least two of your honorable mentions and i don't want to and people listening are going to roll their eyes you did mention the band levon is my favorite drummer of all Hell time yeah but i do i talk about him so much so i think for the sake of my listeners not skipping to the next episode let's uh sure thing. let's let's maybe focus on two other drummers that at least on the on this podcast don't get enough love so let's let's go to uh chad taylor slon is that the name of the, of, of the album mm-hmm. okay slon by chicago underground trio and the song is a protest but yeah chad taylor i really know nothing about them so uh please take it away so I I randomly picked that CD at Fingerprints Music in Long Beach when I would like do my weekly weekly search. <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing amazing drummer. Like strong jazz background is also like he'll post videos on Instagram of like Embira meditations mm. um, that are really pretty. And around the time that I found out about him, he was also like on tour with Iron and Wine. Like he was there touring drummer percussionist he just has like a really driving and lyrical style to his drumming that was um really exciting to me um i saw him play last year with james brandon lewis and it was just a sax and drums duo 
and they were so 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 good yeah just his his phrasing around the kit is phenomenal and it's like driving and meditative and yeah i just love love what he does in music Let's do uh, Homer Steinweiss and yeah. uh, Dap King's drummer. I mean, just he's been on so many. He's an amazing drummer. He's a, I, I, you go on his website and you just keep scrolling through all his credits. It's like holy mm-hmm. god, man. Yeah. So he was on uh, the record you chose was "Back to Black" by Amy Winehouse, the late and great Amy Winehouse. And the yeah. song you chose a bunch of them: "Rehab," "He Can Only Hold Her," "Valerie." Um, for obvious reasons, uh, why'd you choose Homer? Those, you know, if the drums weren't good on those songs, it wouldn't have been a hit, you know? That's like, no, I know <laughs> that's an mean. annoyingly trite thing to say, but like, <laughs> it was so obviously throwback, but it was just also music. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like there's like some kind of like subliminal element where you can kind of hear when things sound like formulaic versus when they're obviously taking cues from something well-established, but really trying to work authentically within that and through those references. Yeah. I mean, he does what like is really hard to do, which is to actually sound like those drummers that were creating what we now find familiar, but at the time they were the experimental musicians, (laughs) you know, like they were, you know, there was a whole industry in figuring out like what would be a hit and what people go for. And it wasn't distilled through formulas in the same way that, you know, inevitably the movement of time will lead us to believe. I'm going on. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just it's a weird thing to talk about, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like just like even like the opening of rehab. If you don't hit that bass drum and that hi hat the way it's supposed to be hit you're in trouble. I'll, I put that record cause it's, you know, you came out when I was like a freshman and I remember first hearing that song on the radio and being like, what? And then, you know, years later, I remember reading like an interview with Mark Ronson. He obviously is a gearhead, but he said like, you know, if you just use a few good mics with a really good drummer, like that's what you'll get. And I appreciated hearing that cause it's, just Mike Homer Simeis well, and you'll have a hit. Like, just convey, <laughs> accurately convey someone who knows what they're doing and who cares, and it'll come through. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said, no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy Sound fine. 
just the hi-hat's so dynamic. Yeah. So crunchy and warm sounding, the whole drum sound. This is your platform to, and we did talk about it at the beginning of the show, but do some self-promotion. Where can people see you live? And of course you have some music coming out. You have music out now. So go, and then I'll let you uh, get on to your busy day. Yeah, I guess nothing really to promote other than, yeah, like the record's coming out. The Peg record comes out February 24th and it'll be available on all streaming platforms. And it's coming out through Ruination Records, a small, but formidable label based in Brooklyn that I think uh, is really great. I've found a lot of great music through that. Awesome. Well, definitely go support you on Bandcamp as well. Hell so yeah. It's going to be a, yeah, that's where people should go. Bandcamp Friday, order my mm -hmm. record. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, well, I'll let you go, but um, it was it was great talking to you again. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.